Hey guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording Lost in the Woods. Did we do anything this week? Well, I mean, we did a lot of stuff this week. Did we do anything worth mentioning or that we want to mention? We had a crazy week. Shout out to our family. Yep. Hang in there, guys. We love you. All of you are amazing. And that's all we're going to say about that. So, yeah. So we've had an eventful week, but we're moving on to next week. And yeah, hopefully everybody else had a good week or at least better than ours. We'll just say that. Hope it's just good. Hope everyone's doing fantastic. I'd actually like a boring week now. No, for sure. Yeah. Like the next week, if it could just be really, really boring. I wish the best that would for be you super. because I know for a fact that's not how mine is going to go. <laughs> I don't think either of ours are going to go that way. No. But we can be hopeful. We can wish, right? I will hope for you. I will hope everything for you that your week will be boring. <laughs> because I know for a fact mine won't. So we're going to hope yours is, even though it's probably not going to be. No. Tragedy at Dyatlov Pass, part three. Part three. Part three. Don't know what we're calling part three yet, but it's going to be part three. If you haven't already listened to part one and two, please, this this one especially, especially <laughs> this one, not going to make any sense. Right? So go and check out both of those. We'll do a quick recap in case it's been a while for you. If you haven't listened to episode one and two, you should go do that. You should go do that. This will spoil everything this for you. This will not make sense. No. Really. You're going to be like, what in the actual hell is going on? Yeah. Go back, listen to those first. And if you just listen to this one, I guarantee you're going to look at the autopsy photos and then you're going to be horrified. Oh, yeah. So and if you are listening out of order, don't go look at the autopsy photos. We already warned against that in episode one and two. Just don't Multiple do it. times we have told you guys not to. If you went and did it, that's on you. But we kind of understand. But maybe don't do it. Okay. So in our first episode, we went over... All of them going, starting this journey into Dyatlov Pass. Yes. Our second episode was really about the search, the finding, and the autopsies of all nine members of this group. Yes. And then today is going to be... I like that you just like took it over, but you're like, I don't even know what we're talking about today. <laughs> I thought I knew it. She's like, and today's going to be, and she looks over at me like, it's um, like, wait, shit, I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe Maddie should have done the recap, and I could have been like, and this is what we're going over today. It's fine. Okay, so today we're going to talk about some facts in the case, some theories in the case, like different things like that. So also, most of the facts in this case are pretty similar everywhere that you look. What differs greatly are the theories so greatly we're gonna go we're gonna do a brief overview of the facts and then we're gonna go into the different theories and then maddie and i will both give our opinion about the theories and then yeah yeah you know all that jazz here we go all right today we are transitioning from the autopsies mm -hmm. so we ended with all of the hikers being found the autopsies 
all of their broken bones, all of their injuries. And today we're moving from that into really all of the evidence and the theories in this case. All the theories. So buckle up. It's going to be a crazy one. Get ready. Get ready. So some facts in the case. So it was determined that the tent was cut open from the inside, not the outside. And they actually determined this because somebody involved in the investigation had an appointment with their tailor and had their tailor look at it. Isn't that so (laughs) just... That's so funny. Yeah, so like 1950s. This was later verified by multiple people. Yes. They also died six to eight hours from their last meal. Based on their stomach contents. Yes. It appeared that all of the hikers had left the camp of their own accord. So they found no evidence indicating that any outside people had been there, which I feel like would be hard to determine based on snowfall and whatnot, but they found no evidence that anybody else had been at the tent Mm -hmm. or done damage to the tent or anything like that. It's also stated that they don't believe a human could have caused the blunt force trauma to the bodies. So whatever caused their damage was not like a fist fight. Like they did not have these injuries strictly from a fight or something like that. Mm-hmm. We talked about radiation being found. Radiation was found on two people's clothing, I believe. Which is strange. It is very strange. But I mean, not that strange. They made a lot of things. Well, it, it's Russia too. They're engineers. They have these jobs where they might come into contact with radiation, especially at this time. So we don't know if that's important. So initially there was speculation that the Monsi people who lived in the villages on the mountain and were hunters and reindeer herders had attacked and murdered the group for encroaching on their lands. Right. And this really just held no water. At the end of the day, they interviewed several. They talked to experts on the people There were no other footprints. There was no sign of hand-to-hand combat besides the injuries on the hikers themselves. And they had also been known to help Russian hikers on a regular basis that they came across on their land. So it's determined rather quickly that they don't believe Monsi people had anything to do with the hikers. And that theory has really kind of been the only one that has constantly stood up to fact. Okay. That they weren't involved. So the inquest into the hikers officially seized in May of 1959. It was determined that the group had died because of a compelling natural force. And the files were all sent to a secret archive. That sounds very suspicious. Yeah. I mean, if you think about Russia in this time, I mean, everything the government did was kind of secretive. So I'm not surprised that they sent everything off to secret files. However, when their files are later demanded to be released, in general, government files, in general, they released files that were much more embarrassing that they hadn't destroyed at that time. So I don't know why they would lie or hold back if the government had information on this particular case, but we don't know. Yeah. Uh, Also, lots of witnesses at the funerals reported that The hikers all looked like they had a deep brown tan. And this really got people speculating about the radiation weapon type rumors. But the sun on the snow makes you pretty tan. 
Right. Well, and frostbite also does damage to your skin that could cause it to change in color as well. So we really just don't know about that. But I kind of... Aliens. So another group of hikers about 50 kilometers or 31 miles south of the Dyatlov Pass hikers reported seeing strange orange spheres in the sky north on the night of the incident. So similar reports occurred in Ivdel and adjacent areas from February to March of 1959, including the Meteorology Service and the military. And of course, these sightings were not noted in the original report, but came forward years later. Right. So basically what they're saying is these hikers, these sightings, they were all brought to the government or to investigators years after the incident. Not on February, whatever day it happened, they came forward and said, we saw these orange spheres in the sky. It all came out later after theories were running rampant. After the close of the investigation, authorities barred access to Halachal Mountain for three years. Lead investigator Lev Ivanov wrote in his final report that the hikers had died as a result of an unknown compelling force. Suspicious. So this seems to, well, I mean, what do you say when you can't figure it out? I mean, I don't know. Don't but know how are you going to figure this out? And then that's kind of the end of that for a while. No, but like that's it of this. The investigation. That's where the investigation, it's over, it's ended. Okay. Files have gone to the secret. Vault underground. I don't know Somewhere where it actually. I think I think they're actually like in some investigator's closet. I don't even know. But anyway, yeah. okay. In 1977, it was revealed that negatives from Georgi's camera were kept in a private archive of the investigator Lev Ivanov. The film material was donated by his daughter to the Diallo Foundation. Yeah. So basically, the daughter of this investigator comes across film. From this event, sitting in her dad's closet. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I just think that's so crazy. In 1990, a former police officer who led the official inquest in 1959 published an article including his admission that the investigative team has no rational explanation for the incident. He also stated that after his team reported that they had seen flying spheres... He then received direct orders from high-ranking regional officials to dismiss this claim. Aliens. (laughs) But that obviously started a new spark of interest in this case. A man named Antoli Gushchen, I don't know, I have no idea, published a book called The Price of Secrets in Nine Lives, and he was highly criticized for his concentration on the speculative theory of the Soviet secret weapon experiment. And people ran wild with them. Oh, of course. Okay, so in 2009, the diaries of the hiking party fell into Russian public domain. Which is so cool. So they've been, who knows, sitting where, and now they've been made public by Russia. And I wonder, I wonder if, I mean, this is long after the fact. So I'm guessing it wasn't necessarily to squelch any kind of theories i think it was just somebody came across them and was like these should be public or somebody fought to make them public because of their interest in this case yes right because it's technically a closed case the records might have been sealed for some reason at some point but there's really no reason to keep them secret in 2009 right okay this is kind of weird in 2018 simeon 
Zolotaryov, which is Sasha, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. His remains are exhumed. There's contradictory results obtained at this time. So one of the experts said that the character of the injuries resembles a person knocked down by a car. And the DNA analysis did not reveal any similarity to the DNA of living relatives of Sasha. So Sasha's family had his remains exhumed by some sort of specialist or somebody with interest because one of the theories that comes out is that Sasha is a spy. So remember, Sasha is the older one in the group. That joined last minute. Right, who nobody really knew. And one of the theories is that he was actually a spy. Because remember, he was in the military, right? So his family is basically, they're having him exhumed and having his DNA tested. And the first results come back saying he is not a match to any of his living relatives. Meaning it's not their relative in that grave. This, of course, you have got to think just like sent people reeling. So the reconstruction from his face in this grave does match the post-war. So the picture taken of him when he came back from the war, not Mm -hmm. before he went to the war, but when he came back from the war saying, I am Sasha Zolotaryov. That picture matches the skull in the grave. So it's definitely the man that came back from the war. So then everybody's thinking, well, maybe Sasha was really killed in the war. And this is an imposter from the other side that came back to pose as him. Which actually, I mean, it's not, it's not it's a bad not, theory. It's not I know. a bad theory. It's actually pretty good. I mean, when that I, makes sense. So when I read this article about this DNA analysis, it was years ago when it first happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like... Oh my gosh, the mystery has been solved. They figured it out. I can't believe it. And then when I read the following, the follow-up to it. So hold on here. So a second DNA test was done and this one matched the niece. But there is speculation that his brother, who I think it's Nikolay or Nikolai, something like that, he worked with the Germans and disappeared mysteriously during the war. And some thought that it might be his body actually buried in the grave and that he had taken his brother's identity when he came back. And that's why it still matches, but might not actually be Sasha. Okay. Still holding it. I know. Still have me convinced. (laughs) Apparently, I have the ability to convince Maddie of the very first theory without much trouble. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not, I'm talking about the theory in general. I'm still convinced that I know. this is possible. I There's know. no like, oh, that's far fetched. Like, oh. so far, so far, nothing super far fetched, right? So far, I can get yeah. it. So far, I can believe it. Okay. In February 2019, Russia opens a new investigation, and I'm assuming that this is because of the exhumation and the DNA and all of the this spy. Yes, Guns. all of this like. The government's Interest. like, shit, we got to really get this under control. We got to figure this out. Was he a spy? It's like we let him it's in like all of the interest in it, right? So at the time of opening the investigation, they were considering a snow slab, avalanche, hurricane, and they were easily able to rule some of these out. So their findings were that an avalanche had led to the deaths. 
The survivors of the avalanche were forced to leave suddenly in low visibility with inadequate clothing and died of hypothermia, which is kind of, I mean, that's like the very original theory that searchers had and people are like, uh, dummy, the tent's like still there. It wasn't a big avalanche. I don't know. Andrei Kirikov, I think, maybe, deputy head of the regional prosecutor's office said it was a heroic struggle. There was no panic, but they had no chance to save themselves under the circumstances. The possibility of a crime has been ruled out. Are you feeling more suspicious of the government now? Oh, I've always been suspicious of the government. I mean, like, of Russia's government right now. (laughs) Oh, you know, a cover-up of some sort is really just looking pretty good right now. Some spies. I know. Government cover-up. I don't know. And then there are some experts that say the strange photo that was taken, the very last one that has, like, the light flare in it, is simply a mistaken photo that might have been taken by one of the hikers or even somebody in the search party. So it's just a blur of a photo. Mm -hmm. They're saying the light is from something to do with the reflection on the lens and that there's nothing suspicious in the picture. And people have actually agreed with that theory over the last couple of years as well. The photos, Like people who have actually inspected the photo, inspected the camera, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So we're going to talk about a couple theories that we think some of them are easily ruled out. And some of them, I mean, who knows? So here are some theories. Tell you what we think. So we have animal attack, hypothermia, avalanche, catabatic winds, murder, radiation exposure, infrasound. What is that? Infrasound. Infrasound induced panic. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Military involvement, witness to some kind of nuclear attack or some kind of combination of any of those things. Those things. Oh, and we can probably throw aliens into that as well. Oh, yes. One thing that I did read about or did initially think myself in this case is the paradoxical undressing, which is something that people who have hypothermia tend to do at the end of their lives. So if you remember the case that we did where the couple drove up the road and he was later found with his shirt unbuttoned and open, that was probably this type of thing. So at the very end of your life, when you're dying of hypothermia, you get this sudden sensation of warmth and you feel overheated and you tend to take your clothes off. It happens a lot. So a lot of people have been like, well, that's why some of them aren't wearing clothes. That's why the first two, Georgi and Yuri, don't have clothes on. That has been kind of debunked a bit because it appears that some of their clothes were cut away. It does not seem like that's what happened in this case. So I initially thought that until I really looked into the condition of the clothing. And then I was like, okay, maybe not. Oh, and the bodies were moved. So yeah, like someone was trying to undress them. So uh, we kind of talked about the spy theory a little bit, but I think that maybe we could talk about it a tiny bit more. So it always involves Sasha mm-hmm. Zolotaryov. He was much older than the rest. The group didn't really know him. He had survived the entire war without any injuries, which was very rare for the time. And he had not gone home after the war, but instead enlisted in the Minx Institute a physical education. So instead of going home after the war to his family, he went to university, which some thought was suspicious. Mm-hmm. 
He asked to be called Sasha, which was not his name or anywhere in his name. He had told his students before leaving that the whole world will talk about this expedition. I mean, he was kind of right. <laughs> Whoops. I'm not sure if that's what he intended, but he kind of got that right. But in hindsight, looking back on, on it, people are like, well, that's kind of suspicious or kind of a strange thing to say. Yeah. And then there's the mystery camera that was found on him. Mm-hmm. That wasn't logged. Where did it come from? Was he carrying it the whole time? Right. And we don't know what was on it because the camera was damaged. Mm-hmm. So could this have been a camera that a spy was using to take secret pictures that he was keeping from the group? Could be. I don't know what kind of pictures you'd be taking, but that's fine. But remember, you also have to have a permit to go into these mountains. So maybe this was his way of getting into the mountains to find or look or investigate something else. Damn, okay. All right. Our next theory, armed men, in the book Dead Mountain written by Donnie Eaker. Which, remember, that's the book that I recommended at the beginning. And this man, Donnie, actually went to Russia, actually went to Boot Rock. I don't know if he made it all the way to the tents or not. And he interviewed Yuri Yudin before he died. Dang. Yeah. In the interview with Donnie and Yuri, Yuri Yudin tells Donnie that he believes the group was marched out of their tent by government officials to the tree where they were forced to shred their own clothes before being left to die. He also believes that Liuda's tongue was cut out as a warning. And if it had been an animal, all of the bodies would have been missing tongues or at least another one or missing More other things. One. Right. He said that a small stuffed toy in the shape of a hedgehog was carried with her always, and it was missing along with some chocolates the group had had, and it was all gone with no sight of wrappers. Because they're not throwing away their trash out here. No, you have to carry it with you. They're carrying the trash. Okay, so Yuri Yudin kind of holds steady to this theory his entire life. This is the theory that he goes Mm -hmm. with, right? A couple things about it. So... Liuda's toy, the hedgehog, was actually at the campsite and was logged into evidence. Mm. So Yuri Yudin was mistaken about that. He thought it was missing, but it was actually allegedly logged into evidence. I'd like to see a picture of it, please. And then the searchers could have taken the chocolates because they did admit to drinking the group's medicinal alcohol at the tent when they found it. So when they thought the hikers were still just missing... They did take and drink the medicinal alcohol for whatever reason. So could they have also done the same thing with the chocolate? Maybe. Probably. I mean, it's very possible. Also, there was allegedly no other footprints found in the area, which Mm -hmm. if there were armed soldiers, there would have had to have been. But he said that Leota would have not kept her mouth closed if they were being forced to do something. Mm -hmm. And that might be why she would have had her tongue cut out. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. One theory that was introduced by the Dyatlov Pass website, which I'm going to link in our notes because they have the best information that I was able to find on this case. So they have timelines for everything. They have diary entries for everything. They have photos for everything. And they have it all separated by hiker. It's amazing. They also have so much more. I mean, literally so much information on there. But. Their theory, one of the theories on their website, includes an armed attack, but with a twist. This theory suggests that Zolotaryov and Kolye 
went to relieve themselves or do something outside. They were the two that were wearing their boots. Once outside, they saw something, like a light in the sky, and Zolotaryov rushed in to get his camera, remember he's wearing his camera, and notify the rest of the group who ran out in their socks to see the light, and then something happens to the group. The thought is most likely armed guards of some kind that forced the group to walk ill-prepared into the snow, and that's why their footprints indicate walking and not running. Also, Dyatlov's coat is found outside the tent, and the sheath to Zolotaryov's knife is found outside the tent, like it was removed and thrown onto the ground. So it's a type of sheet that goes in through your belt strap. So he would have had to very intentionally take it off if it was attached to his body. Yeah. So the thought is that maybe one of the armed guards forced him to take it off. And some of the group refused and were beaten. And that's where some of the more severe injuries come from. Okay. So I thought that was kind of an interesting Interesting thought. I find it hard to believe, though, that anybody would cut their way out of the tent over a orb of light or something like that. But maybe maybe it was screaming or Armed panic or right, but it was cut from the inside. Maybe so, the armed guards came in and it was like a threat. Well, I'm thinking that maybe the people came out, they saw the light cuz they're running some sort of test out there, right? They see the light. They're like, "You guys, come see this light." People start coming out, but maybe not everybody's out and then the armed guards show up and everybody starts screaming and panicking. And that's when whoever's left in the tent cuts their way out Possibly. in a panic. I yeah. mean, I, it's so bizarre. I really don't know. Okay. Did the group turn on each other? Yes. Did the group turn on each other? This is also a popular theory, which I find very hard to believe. So it was rumored that Igor and Georg had a crush on Zena. And Yuri Doroshenko actually dated her. But the relationship was over before the expedition started. Mm-hmm. And Kolvatov had a very secretive life. And some suggest that he could have been involved in something. He spoke German. And no one seemed to know why he spoke German. Mm-hmm. Maybe he took it in school. So Igor wrote about Zina in quotes. Everywhere she went, she filled the place with the pleasant breath of her soul. So maybe he just thinks fondly of her as a friend. I don't know. Mm. (laughs) In one of her letters to a friend, Zina wrote, here we are on our way to the mountains. You want to hear a surprise? Yuri Doroshenko is coming with us. I really don't know how I'll feel. I am treating him like everyone else, but it's hard because we are together and yet we're not together. So they had broken up not long before the expedition started. And I believe that Doroshenko was originally not on the list to go and was added when two other people fell out. So Georgi had worked in a secret nuclear enterprise? Yep. And which is funny because his clothes were one of the two worn that turned up radioactive. Well, that makes sense then. Exactly. So he'd been assigned to do a cleanup at the plant. When there was a leak, and I think that's where the contamination may come from. Yeah. I mean, my thought is really that the contamination is more of a benign transfer of some kind, not necessarily exposure. Because I feel like if it was exposure everyone would have it. during their hike, everyone would have it. Yeah. I just think some of their clothes got exposed and brought them on the hike, and that's about it. 
Well, yeah, I mean, how often do teenage boys wash their clothes? Okay, so the thought is these are a lot of things within the group that might lead them to turn on each other, right? We have potential spies. We have people working with radiation. We have love triangles. We have all of this going on. I do not buy into this theory. This, to me, is probably the least likely of all the theories, but it's out there. You know, decide for yourself. I don't know. I don't know. The next theory is a light in the sky. So on February 1 and February 17, a light is seen in the sky. The one on the 17th was seen by a hiking group that was following the same route along the river. This group had stopped in a Monsi village in mid-February and had actually been mistaken for the Dyatlov group and kind of caused some confusion when they were first looking for them. Sad. Imagine like someone coming up to you and being like, my God, you guys are alive. What do you mean we're alive? Yeah. Well, you hear about that happening sometimes with missing people where mistaken identity, Mm -hmm. people are thought to be them. Kids are brought in for DNA tests because they look so much like a missing child. I mean, we had that one in our, the three-year-old that went missing at the campsite. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So the leader of this group, Corellan, who had joined in on the search for the group, so he was part of the search party, Mm -hmm. said that he had woken up to screams from the hikers on breakfast duty. He said, I rushed out of my sleeping bag and tent without my boots, just in socks. I stood on branches and saw a large light spot. It lasted just over a minute. So the thought is, could the Dyatlov group have seen something similar to that that caused them to leave their tents in a manner that the other group did. But then something else happened. And then some I and then something else happened, right. The mid-February orb sighting lined up with the rocket test that were confirmed to have happened, and the hiking companion of the early February sighting said that it was actually later in the month and not the first week of February. So this group leader, when he came forward, he initially said that this incident happened the first week in February. But his hiking companion said it actually happened later, around the 17th, which is when the missile launch was actually confirmed. Okay. So we don't know if it's a different sighting or what it is. What's going on? Mm -hmm. Okay, so high winds is another theory. High winds can be very dangerous in this mountain, especially on the pass. If you've ever hiked on a pass, you know this. Here's the thing. If it was a high wind, would all of the hikers have flung themselves into danger without putting their shoes on? So the wind was up to 40 miles per hour that night, and the tent was intact. So to me, that does not suggest that a strong enough wind came through, sweeping maybe two companions down who had their boots on. But would everybody else have recklessly flung themselves out of the tent And chased after them without their boots on. I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening either. So weapons testing. Some believe that the orb setting was actually weapons testing of some kind and could be responsible for the radiation as well. And that would not have been unusual for this time. Yeah. So maybe. But all the damage, the crushed injuries. Okay. There are, however, so the worst injuries are in the ravine. Mm Mm-hmm which all possibly could have occurred by the group falling into the ravine. Mm -hmm. So maybe there was some sort of weapons test. Maybe it caused severe confusion amongst the group and they all left the tent and wandered. I don't know. 
I, I don't know. I find this one hard to believe only because so many of them died from straight hypothermia. There's not one solid one that works for every single person. I know. <laughs> radiation is another theory. It's another theory. Why were the radiation why were their clothing found with high levels of radiation? And the organs of the last four were also found to have radiation on them. Although some experts do say that the levels were not unusual and may have simply been normal contamination. Like if they had come across the radiation in the mountains from a previous weapon test or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think radiation could have played a part in something, but I don't think it would have been yeah, the know. compelling force that caused all of this. Yeah. All right. So another theory, avalanches. Right. And remember, avalanches, the theory that in 2000, was it 19, the Russian government closed out the case saying they determined it was an avalanche. Yeah. Right? I think so. I think it was in 2019. It was something like that, you guys. We only read it like 10 minutes ago. It's fine. But that was also one of the initial theories from searchers when they got to the tent. And remember, everybody kept saying that's not possible because of two things. One, the tent is still standing, Uh right? And two, it didn't explain the injuries of the hikers. Basically. Yeah. But I mean, I guess it's possible the tent was like partially buried, I guess. Well, for sure. I mean, I'm trying to think, what did the winds look like after an avalanche could have happened? Like, could they have blown a lot of the snow away that was initially involved in the avalanche? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they just pitched the tent so good that it didn't fall apart. <laughs> or maybe the avalanche, like, this, like barely hit the tent. But then why would the hikers all run out without their boots? Maybe they heard an avalanche. Maybe the avalanche was near the tent. Yeah, but still running without your boots is, seems so reckless. What about this? What if an avalanche... Maybe not a huge avalanche. Maybe some sort of small avalanche falls on the tent. They freak out and panic because the snow is crushing the tent and they are like, we got to get out of here. They cut themselves out of the tent and they run for the tree line thinking that the avalanche isn't done or thinking that more snow is coming their way. Possibly. I mean, maybe something like that. And maybe the tent is partially uncovered. Because everybody climbed out of the tent and disturbed the snow. And then maybe high winds carried off some of this, like, pile of snow if it didn't continue to roll down the hill. Yeah. And maybe they were all waiting at the the tree. They were all at the tree. Two of them died. Three of them decided to go back to the tent. But then the rest of them didn't think that was safe. So they split up. And maybe they got in a big fight. Maybe that's why there's abrasions on people's knuckles and things because they oh, were kind of going crazy at the tree after two of their friends died. Do you think that digging yourself out of snow could cause abrasions like that? Snow, I mean, snow oh, yes. in an snow icy is- form can be really sharp. So maybe they got the abrasions when they dug themselves out of this like avalanche that fell onto their tent. Two of them died while they were all waiting at the tree, making the fire or whatnot. And then... Three, the three that were found in between the tree and the tent were like, we're going to go back to the tent. The other four thought it wasn't safe. And then they got in a huge fight. And that's what caused some of their injuries. Could be. I still like the idea of them all fleeing from the tent and ending up separated. Because 
it's dark and it's chaotic Ooh. and everybody's panicking. Ooh, wait, what about this one? They Avalanche comes, tent kind of covered, cut their way out of the tent. They all start, they dig their way out. They all, all start going and they're walking and then this, like, a storm happens. So then they all get separated. It, it was a clear night, though. Oh, no snow fuck. fell. Yeah. I, I know. That's that's the thing. I like the idea of an avalanche. My other favorite idea is the infrared sound. Yeah. I which, like that one too. Which we're going to tell you about right now. So this theory is actually the conclusion in the Dead Mountain book. This okay. is his theory. And a lot of it is backed by scientific research. Okay. So could something like this have been what drove the hikers out of the tent? So infrasound can cause severe confusion, nausea, illness. It can cause psychological and even suicidal thoughts. It can be naturally occurring or it can be caused by a weapon. So they have actually made weapons that produce infrasound and they have used it to break up protest groups. You know, you drive a car into the area, you play it over the loudspeaker. Most people can't hear it. And people start to get violently ill. They get confused. They get anxious. They get paranoid and they disperse, basically. So there are weapons that cause this, but it also can be caused naturally as well. Most people register it as a throbbing that comes with anxiety and fear. The natural version of this would be the Carmen Vortex Street wind effect. And it's basically a repeating pattern of swirling vortexes caused by a process known as vortex shedding, the result of which could be described as lunacy. The dome shape on the mountain is what some believe could have been the culprit for this type of wind that might have created this infrasound. Damn, okay. So basically, it suggests that the hikers would have heard the roaring winds, they would have started to feel the vibrations, and then the symptoms of the infrasound would have kicked in. Fear, nausea, paranoia, anxiety, psychosis. I mean, all of these things could have been caused by that. So that's kind of my favorite theory. Mm -hmm. Or some version of something like that. Yeah, something like that. Whether it was military cost or natural cost, I don't know. Can't decide. And I don't know how we would ever know that unless somebody confessed to doing something. Yeah. I don't know. And then I'm going to give you guys Donnie's theory really quick of what he thinks happened to the group because... It kind of takes a lot of these little loose ends for me, and it ties them nice and pretty. I'm not saying this is what I think happened, or I'm not saying this is the best theory. I'm just saying this theory does explain a lot of very strange things. Okay. Okay? So something drives them from the tent. We don't know what, whether it's the infrasound, regardless of what it is. They're out of the tent. With they're their fleeing stuff. the tent for some reason. They are separated into three groups as they flee. The first group is four, the second group is three, and the third group is two. We have Leoda, Kolvatov, Sasha, and Kolye. We have Zina, Rustic, and Igor. And then we have Georgi and Doroshenko. Georgi and Doroshenko make their way to the cedar tree, where they build a fire that does not last. But they are unable to keep the fire going and are likely in an unconscious state when it burns out. Meanwhile, Leoda, Kolvatov, Sasha, and Kolye have gone the opposite direction. Kolye injures himself and loses his flashlight in the process. Without realizing it, the group falls into the 24-foot precipice into the rocks below. Somehow, Kolovatov is the only one 
not gravely injured by this fall, but he tries to save the lives of his fallen comrades. He lays out a bed of branches in order to try to warm them. The trees here are not viable for starting a fire. We already know that from experts that were there during the search. Mm -hmm. But he sees the glow of Georgi and Doroshenko's fire in the distance and feeling it is his only chance to get help for his friends. He heads in that direction, Mm -hmm. which is over 400 feet in the snow. When he arrives, both men are already dead and their fire is smoldering. He cuts their warm clothes off and then lays them to rest side by side. He then takes the clothing and heads back in the other direction to his companions. But by the time he returns, they are in bad shape. Soon Sasha is the only one still alive and Kolvatov lays next to him in an effort to warm him where they both fall asleep and die of hypothermia. Because remember, the other hikers are wearing some of the clothing from the two fallen hikers. So the thought is that maybe Kolvatov brought that back and tried to bundle all of them the best he could. Yeah. But he's injured and he's slowly fading. But remember, because of his injuries, it was thought that he would probably last the longest. And he dies trying to warm one of the hikers. Which to me suggests the other two are already dead Mm -hmm. at that point. Meanwhile, Zena, Rustic, and Igor have remained the closest to the tent, but they have become separated. Rustic falls, fracturing his skull, and Zena also injures herself before dying of hypothermia. So that's kind of the theory of how they were split up and maybe how the transfer of clothing and items Mm -hmm. transpired. Yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense. It makes sense, I think. So... Good job, Donnie, on that theory. I like it. I don't know. You know. Okay, so until the end of his days, the surviving member of the Diotlov group, who is Yuri Yudin. Oh, my God, the survivor's guilt. I can't. He says that he was tormented by not only the death of the girl, which we believe is Liuda, who he was said to have a huge crush on, Mm -hmm. but also by the other eight comrades. He also would go to the cemetery every February 2nd to visit his friends. And he would say with tears in his eyes, I should have been with you. Maybe things could have been different, he continued. Maybe they could have lived. Which, this I mean, the survivor's guilt. I can't even crazy. imagine what he feels. I think I don't think he ever married either. Yeah. My favorite theory is the infrasound. But either way, rather it be avalanche infrared, whatever, I I lean towards the natural disaster side. But whatever it is, I like Donnie's theory about how everybody ended up where they ended up. What are you thinking, Maddie? We'll, we'll give like our initial theory here. If you want more, you'll have to come listen to our bunker talk on Patreon. But you know what? There's a couple that I, I don't know, because it's hard for me because none of them line up with every single. Right. Yeah. The infrasound. Sounds really good to me. Yeah. And the uh, spy theory. So, yeah, that is the Dyatlov Pass. Let us know what you guys think. We're so curious what everybody else is thinking on this. If you want to hear more, probably about aliens from Madison, you're going to have to come to our bunker talk for that. We have a few other things that we are going to discuss on that one about this story. So come and check us out there. Definitely check out Dead Mountain by Donnie Eaker. It's such a good book. And if you're not a reader like Maddie, it's also on Audible. And 
he reads it himself. Oh, cool. So it's really cool. Yeah, um, I'm not a reader. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Also, I will link the dioutlovepass.com, which is the website. I don't know who did this website or why, but it is bloody amazing. It's fucking incredible. Just don't Good go, job. Just don't go look at the autopsy just photos. stay out of the autopsy Please. photos. And they give you like a little warning yes. on their site when they're coming up. I'm trying to spare. I'm trying to spare you. Yeah. Also, we're going to talk about the mysterious unknown journal in our bunker talk too and our theories around who that belongs to Mm -hmm. and how we're trying to figure that out because it's crazy yeah so yeah there's part three there's part three please tell us what you think thank you so much too for sticking it out with these three i mean it's a lot right it's a lot of waiting and it's a lot of patience and we really appreciate it hopefully you guys enjoyed this three-parter i promise we We'll do, do some short ones. Yeah, we'll do a couple short ones next for you guys. Try to like, you know, or at normal length ones, I guess. Yeah. So we'll stay away from multi-parters for a little bit for you because I know they can be hard. But um, come check out our Patreon. Uh, we really appreciate everybody who has supported us. You guys are amazing. It really Amazing. It really makes it so we can continue to do this and yeah. continue to have the time and the resources to research it and all of that fun stuff. So we do have a new Patreon and his name is Brian Gruningsman. Gruningsman? Gruningsman? Give it a try, Madison. Come on. Oh my gosh. We do not know how to pronounce your name. It's so long. Yeah. Let us know. We probably said it wrong. I hope it's your entertainment for the week. (laughs) And not your anger for the week. I don't know. Thank you, Brian, though. We really, really appreciate your support. We could not do any of this without you guys. Also, just to lighten the mood from this episode, I'm going to put a little clip of our Hiking with Hannah, which is on our Patreon. At the end of this, you guys can get an idea of how crazy my sister is and what it sounds like. Yep. So the Hiking with Hannah is basically where we take my sister, who's not a hiker, into the woods and we try not to kill her. Which is much more easily said than done. Right. We have almost killed her multiple times now. So stay tuned and enjoy that. And yeah, thanks for... Thanks for everything. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Uh, Share us with your friends. And we will talk to you guys next week. All right. Bye, guys. So, hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. (laughs) Wait, we're already starting? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we've been going this whole time. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. What do I say? I'm Hannah. And I'm Hannah. That sounds so corny. And I'm Hannah. You should have just told me we weren't recording and I have my natural voice instead of my my barista voice. You do get it. You have, you definitely have a barista voice. And I'm still trying to get out of it from this morning. I know. And I'm Hannah. Well, who are you waving at? (laughs) (laughs) So Hannah's like looking at the microphone and waving and saying, and I'm Hannah. I literally can't. Like, I don't even know. And we haven't even started drinking yet. I would be a lot better if I was drinking right now. And I'm Hannah. (laughs) And you waved again. Try it without waving. Can you do it? No. And I'm Hannah.
I'm sorry. Dude, she totally gets like a barista smile on her face when she says it. She can't even stop herself. She's like, fake smile on, and I'm Hannah. And my face is turning beet red, dang it. While waving, and I'm Hannah. Okay, so this is our new segment that we're doing right now. It's called Hiking with Hannah. That's me. So basically, it's where Maddie and I drag my sister, Hannah, who is not an avid hiker, who does not hike out into the woods for a little fun. That sounds super creepy, actually. I don't like that, <laughs> don't like that. that either. No. Wait, we got to change that up. Try again. Well, what's going on? What's try again. Happening? <laughs> like, this is like just a cringe fest happening at the moment. Basically, after recording this, Hannah never made it home. Because we drug her into the woods. <laughs> to have some fun. To have. Oh, no. That was literally on our last episode. <gasps> what? Where they killed David with the axe. They drug him into the woods on his birthday oh, yeah. to have some fun in the woods. And oh, I haven't heard that episode yet. Well, it's on Next our Patreon. Stuff. Wait, yeah. what? Oh, it's going to be on Patreon. Yeah. So mm. that's on our Bunker Talk for Patreon. But. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Also, especially recording with Maddie, she's really bad about talking over. If that happens, everybody stop. And then restart the conversation. I don't know what that means. So, like, we'll be talking about something and Maddie will get a really good idea in her head. And then she'll start talking before I finish talking. Well, the good news is we're both really good at that. So Shit. Shit. Yes. It's going to be the <laughs> Hannah and Maddie podcast. Okay. going to be in the background. <laughs> it's going to be you guys just talking over each other. It's going to be the most obnoxious yes. podcast ever. We are traveling all the way to Sock Mountain. That's the hike we did. Sock Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> or Switchback Hell. Switchback Hell. What my sister failed to mention to me is she was covering an episode on Sock Mountain mm-hmm. and did not tell me about it before the hike. <laughs> Number, you gotta stop moving, dude. Welcome to my entire existence. Literally, you don't hear it because she cuts it out. Literally, the every, whole like, episode, I'm like... Just like, so you guys know, I'm the oldest... <laughs> <laughs> and she's bossing me around. She doesn't understand how to hold still. And I'm pretty yet. sure we've just now all talked over each other yeah, at the same have. time. Yeah. It's fine. We've taken shots of vodka. This is seriously going to be Stop. This is I'm going to I'm going to murder everyone. We are not doing shots next time. This is seriously going to be the longest episode we've ever recorded. But we did promise her that we wouldn't kill her on the hike and that we would do a hike that she wouldn't die while doing. Well, and all then of those were kind of lies. All of that was kind of a lie. <laughs> a total and complete lie. Because A, you did almost kill me. Okay, so this particular trip starts with my children babysitting Hannah's children, so she has no excuse. Because I have a shit ton of kids. Yep. So Hannah's like, I can't. I have the kids. And I'm like, Cadence will be there at Good. 7 a.m. I got a teenager. She's watching your kids. Yep. So we all piled into the car and we head out, but it, it's, it's a bit of a drive. So we head out, we get our Starbucks on the way, or did we do the espresso stand? I don't think we did either. Cause remember I was running late cause I didn't wake up to my alarm. I had to go close up or open up the farm. Oh, that's right. And then I had to come back really fast. So you guys did coffee run without me and gas station run. You got some chips and... We didn't do coffee. We just did gas station. Yeah. Because we got the Starbucks double shots because we got one for you too. Yes. Okay. So we didn't do our coffee stop because Hannah, in good fashion, slept through her alarm. So Naturally. that's where it starts. 
Uh-huh. Okay. So on our drive up the hike, Maddie falls asleep in the car because why not? Yep. Unbuckled, laying across all the back seats. Yep. Which is fine. It's relatively safe to ride with me. Mm. <laughs> so we get up this mountain and it's a really long windy road just to get to the the top and there's so many potholes a lot of people don't take their vehicles up there because of it so we're heading up and there's like this snow drift across the road it's across about half of the road and I'm thinking I have an SUV I will just drive with one wheel on the snow and one wheel on the road and be able to get up And as soon as my tire gets up onto the snow, which was not snow, was a sheet of ice, we kind of start to slide to the side a little bit and back. Yeah. I'm asleep at this point. But can we rewind before we even get to the (laughs) snowdrift and the drive up to the Uh snowdrift was me leaning towards Marie bracing myself because I thought we were going to go off the cliff at any moment, even before we got to the snow drift. It was kind of a narrow road. However, I've driven on much worse. It wasn't that bad. When you have a sister who is horrendously afraid of heights, it's really bad. Yeah, that's true. So when our car started sliding backwards into the side towards the cliff, it probably didn't help Hannah's anxiety. On the sister side of the On car. her side of the car. So, Matt, did you want to do you want to talk about what you woke up to? Um, <laughs> I woke up to Hannah yelling, "Oh shit, Marie! Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit, Marie! Marie! Marie!" I didn't say that many shits. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, did. for you sure did. you did. <laughs> for sure you did. You were panicking and So I'm, like, trying to tune out Hannah, and I'm like, Maddie, I need you to help me. So I wake up, I'm like, what the fuck's happening? And then I look out my window, and there's no ground. It's cliff. It's cliff. I open my door. There's no ground. Just cliff. Just edge. Just nothing there. So then I'm going back and forth between the sides of the car, telling my mom if she's good. I'm like, can you just tell me when I'm too close to the edge? So Maddie's like, all right, back up. No, no, stop. To... Turn, turn to the left, turn to the right. No, stop. No, you're good. You're chill. You're, you're chill. Good. You're good. Meanwhile, Hannah is now full on crying. Uh, I'm not crying. I, my body's natural reflex was to have tears streaming down my face. I Which... was not even physically crying. I could not handle or control the overflow of tears. Crying. Yeah. I was silently just tears streaming down my face. So just face. silent crying. Silent. Okay, fine. I was silent crying. Side note, that's how I cry all the time. <laughs> that is not how I cry. Because I have no soul. It's fine. We started swigging vodka. Well, Hannah started swigging vodka. I get out of the car and my entire body is literally shaking. I still have these naturally, these natural tears running She's down still my crying, face. You guys. Not crying. <laughs> It is the overwhelming feeling of... I didn't die today? I didn't die today. But let me tell you, I'm at the the end. Everybody's ahead of me. And I looked down at one point, turned around and looked behind me and almost passed out. Because... I was like, Hannah, don't look down. (laughs) And of course, what do you do? You look down. Every time. Yep. And that's when the shaking started again. And that's when my body was like, what are you doing? 
Yeah. Why did you do this? Why are you hiking with Marie and Madison? <laughs> this was a bad idea. <laughs> and then I had her glissade down on my rain jacket. I had the rain jacket. And man, she got some good speed on that. So fast. And I literally, the whole time, Marie did it first in her pants. And the whole time I was like, no, but I, this, <laughs> there has to be another way down. I cannot do this. <laughs> Because literally all I pictured was going down into the bowl and flying. Which... Like off the cliff? Off the cliff. There was lots of space before the cliff, you guys. I wouldn't let her go down. You would... You just land in the bowl. Yeah, but my luck in my brain at that moment was you're going to fly out of that bowl and you're going. And we stopped for a gas station treat on the way home. Which I ate a big, fat gas station cheeseburger. She literally ate a gas station cheeseburger. I literally cannot... I cannot. But to be fair, they did have a whole station where they literally made this gas station cheeseburger that probably was made seven hours prior. They put lettuce and the condiments and pickles and onions and tomato. It was a deluxe cheeseburger. No. No. (laughs) It's from a gas station. Whatever gas station that was bomb yeah it's always the sketchy gas stations that have stuff like that but maddie and i did not eat a cheeseburger and i was shocked that she didn't get food poisoning but i tried to tell her this after hiking something like that after the stress after everything no matter what she ate it was gonna taste like gold it was gold it was gold yeah i do love a cheeseburger though i think gas stations get a bad rap probably do you know why they get a bad rap though Because they're a fucking gas gas station. (laughs) Because they made that food at opening in the morning and it's been sitting under a heater all day. I've grown to really enjoy the hot case. No. They got pizza sticks. They got corn dogs. Say hi, Hannah. So we know you heard it. Hi, Hannah. No, no. Like on our Instagram. You guys go say hi to Hannah on our Instagram. (laughs) Say that. (laughs) I'm just going to leave it. All right. (laughs) Thanks for coming, guys. Bye.